Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 56 of the Irish Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lowell, Todd Widener, and Peter Jones are here with me. It is the Nick Barnett version of the Average Cheese. Again, we've talked about it before. You'd think the Packers would have great players, and Nick Barnett was a good player. Peter, any other 56s that come to mind? I think the only other one that immediately springs to my mind is Ted Hendricks, who played just one year for the Packers in the 70s, 74, in between spells with the with the Colts, and, and then he went on to have a Hall of Fame career with the Raiders. But a fantastic one year with the Packers. Had five interceptions, seven blocked kicks, a safety. Damn. A, seven a truly, blocked kicks? He did have seven blocked kicks, which is an unofficial NFL record for a single season. Wow. And he was a big, rangy linebacker guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm pointing here like we're on video, but... <laughs> <laughs> Six six seven guy was an all pro with the Colts and of course went on to be an all pro with the Raiders and a Hall of Famer and another one of those guys that the Packers for whatever reason couldn't get him re-signed after the seventy four season and in essence they they let him go they got draft picks as compensation but there was no compensation for a player that good was that during the era where they could jump up and block remember that yeah. hole and then they got yeah. rid of it I think they got rid of it like in the eighties or something but yeah. That was when you could actually jump, and as the kicker yeah. was approaching the ball, you'd kind of time it to jump and block, and that's pretty amazing, though. You know, he blocked field goals, extra points, blocked a punt, just a really, really good player and Hall of Famer and one that totally got away from the Packers. Why would he have signed with the shitbag Packers? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> they were terrible back then. 74. I got to pick my quarters up and drop one in. I got you. Why would you sign a one-year deal with the Packers when you just were an all – wasn't he an all-pro with the Colts too? He was, yeah. That's very strange. Yes. Man, oh, whatever. That would have been crazy. He would have just been a great player on a bad team, though, for a lot of years. That is true. So it's probably good for him that he signed with the Raiders. That's really interesting. So, yeah, Ted Hernricks or Nick Barnett, who was a very good player with the Packers. Let's move on. 
avgts at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us there and you can also find us on Twitter, but you know this at avgts. We are also on Facebook before Peter starts making fun of me. I have actually <laughs> put stuff on Facebook recently. Oh, wow. And yeah, look at, look that's at a, me. It's yeah. a step in the right direction here. A revelation. <laughs> revelation. <laughs> I was the person that read it. Oh yeah. The one person. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> now we've got a connection. <laughs> Peter actually put stuff on our Facebook page. How he does that, I have no clue. It's like some kind of sorcery, but I don't know how to do it. I can barely get stuff on the Facebook. I don't understand why it's so complicated. If you found us there, we love you for that. So if you are listening to us for the first time, we have a shoe raffle that is now at $220. We are trying to go to $2,500. It is a custom pair of Packers shoes made by Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. That's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, Jamie put it on Twitter, and so did we. If you are interested in that, reach out to us. DM us. That would be super fun. What kind of shoes are they? He said they were uh, Air Force. Air Force Force Ones. So we're going to buy a pair of Air Force Ones. So if Todd wins, which he won't because he's a part of the average cheese, he's not going to play. It would be whatever size Todd wears. So last year we had those. Yeah. So we're just going to. Reach out to the person that wins and say, what size shoe do you wear? We'll go buy those shoes and then we'll have Dwight fix them up. Yeah. So it'll be awesome. It's going to be awesome for somebody because Dwight does good work. I want a pair. Dwight will do it for you. All right. This is really bogging down the show. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let's stop, stop football. And so, Todd, you have in the notes that the refs lost control of this game. Let's just get right on to it. No slices about any other thing. Packers yeah. 30, Niners 28, refs lose control of this game. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, early on, obviously, the big calls in the game were were the pass interference against the Niners. I think there was about three total that were pretty significant. I felt like two of them were pretty obvious calls and good calls. I thought one was kind of on the fence and then when it shifted over to the Packers to get calls that hit on on Devontae Adams was a clear and blatant targeting led with the head helmet to face wasn't even helmet to helmet it was helmet to face mask and I felt like that call kind of was the call you know that kind of took the game into into question based on the referee's decisions on things if they're not going to throw a flag there is the NFL going to find that player and that's where things kind of go weird. In all likelihood, and I didn't, I didn't look this up, but in all likelihood, that player is going to get fined for that hit. But there's no penalty, so there's a disconnect there between the rules, you know, what they do to players and what, how they find players. So I just wanted to point that out. And there was a bunch of other calls. I, I felt the one on Stokes, one of them on Stokes, he did hook him a bit, a little touchy, but whatever. But the second one on Stokes, I thought was complete bullshit. So. That's kind of where I was at with the referees in this game. Peter, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with all that. And it, and it appeared to, to start going astray just before half time with that intentional grounding call or non-intentional grounding call oh, yeah. on Garoppolo when the Niners were right at the, at the Packers' goal line. Or I forgot about that one. Line. You know, sometimes you see the intentional grounding stuff not called because there's, there's a receiver remotely in the area. Well, it didn't look like there was a receiver on the same half of the field when that penalty was not was not called. That was a, an absolutely terrible call. You don't see Lafleur lose it too often, and he lost it on that one. Yeah, cost the Packers four points. 
Yeah, that turned a field goal into into a potential touchdown, which became which became a touchdown, and that was an absolutely terrible call. And at that stage of the game, it gave the the 49ers some momentum. You know, they got the ball at the start of the second half. That could have been the play that that turned the whole game, and it, it was a shocker, absolute shocker. I thought there were some crazy calls in this game. So this is kind of interesting. I had to look this up. Ward gives ref shout out for no flag on huge Adams hit. Oh. That's the headline of this article. Oh, shout out. He says, yeah, I know how to hit pretty good. Ward said after the loss led with my shoulder. There was no flag. I always leave with my shoulder. I've got to watch the hit, but yeah. bang, bang play. I'm glad yeah. there was no flag. Shout out to the yeah. ref. Okay. Yeah. You can fuck all the way off. Yeah. Jimmy no Ward. You head to head hit him. Did you try to? I don't know that, but that's not the worry is what the intent was. Here's what you did. And there was no call. And it was a bullshit call. The one on Stokes at the end, he kind of put his hand on his shoulder and it looked like he pushed him down. But there's no way you one hand pushed him down like that was absolutely ridiculous. The other one he did hook. Stokes, I thought Stokes did hook him. I mean, even with uh, with, with Stokes, I mean, that was yeah, that was a bad call. To touch on your point earlier, the refs were just kind of all over the place. Yeah, I thought they struggled. They did. And the, the, and the problem that I have with the NFL on this is if you're really into player safety, why is that play not reviewable? Right. The hit on Adams. Exactly. Why on earth is that not reviewable? Right. You know, and, and they talked about the positioning of the official and you couldn't see it and whatever else. In college, that play's reviewable and that guy would have been thrown out of the game. Now, oh, even that, even that's not necessarily compensation for what could have happened. If you're really set on player safety, and that's what you hear all the time, predominant thing when they talk about rule changes or whatever else, that type of play has to be reviewable. Yeah, and it shouldn't be like intent. You can take intent and throw it out the fucking window. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's it's either helmet to helmet, whether he intended to or not. If the helmet meets the other fucking helmet, it's a it's a penalty. Plain and simple. I don't care what it is. Fuck the intent. It's it's helmet to helmet. That's the end of the story. My favorite part of all of these things is the one call that got complained about was Jimmy Garoppolo, who clearly fucking fumbled the ball or threw it backwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was complaining about the call. Listen, Jimmy, you fucking dick. Don't you? You don't even have a clue in the rules. You either threw it backwards, which you did, or you fumbled. Yeah. Right. Either way, it's Packer ball. So I don't know what you're complaining about. You turned around because you're a dipshit and threw it backwards because you panicked. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was an unfortunate call. Yeah. Fuck yourself, Jimmy. You made a mistake. And I'm not the biggest do not like Chris Collinsworth at all. But on both those calls about Stokes and on Garoppolo's fumble, he was spot the fuck on. He called that like immediately. So as much as I don't like him as an announcer, he was all over that. And I mean, he said it like instantly. Kudos to Collinsworth, which I never thought I'd hear myself say, but. <laughs> Mark that tape. At the end of the day, it all turned out great, though. Packers yeah. win. Speaking of block kicks, did you, have you seen the freeze frame of the 49er that almost blocked that kick at the end? Mason Crosby's oh. kick. It is oh. super close. I don't know who was on the right side, that right flank of that kick. They probably totally Summers. whiffed. Who was it? I'm, I'm just bashing on him. I'm saying probably Summers. 
No, it might have been Summers. <laughs> that might have been. <laughs> that motherfucker, man. I, oh, wait till we get to that point in the show. We're now already I'm there. Really fucking pissed. Let's just fast forward to his fucking dumb ass. How many was many. that? Three? I'm just going to throw the rest of the stack in at this Four? point. That was like three, a three drop right there. <laughs> whoever it was, I will, I promise I will send you the picture within inches. 28, whoever 28 is, came around the corner and it was very close. He was very close to blocking that kick. Offensively, Peter, in this game against the 49ers, what stuck out to you as a good thing? I think immediately was that Rodgers came out throwing at a good tempo, a good rhythm. He was getting the ball out of there quickly. That, for me, was the immediate thing that struck me on the first series, and it pretty much continued throughout the game. So that, for me, was a really good thing. Because when you see Rodgers come out and start like that, three steps and the ball's out of there, that always bodes very well. So that, for me, was the biggest immediate thing that came out of that game. And you know that that's something that if they continue to do that, that they're going to put a lot of points and a lot of yards on on teams. So that was the immediate good thing for me. A couple of other good things on on offense. Devontae Adams, what can you say about that guy? Was dominant, came back from that hit, you know, had those two great receptions on the drive when he when he had to have them. You know, that guy could just get open whether he's single covered, double covered, whatever coverage they've got, he he's going to get open. And the other thing for me was the offensive line held up really well, I thought. Josh Nyman did well after the first series. He struggled early, but after that, held up really well at left tackle, considering you know, he's not spent hardly any time there other than the, pre- the preseason. Thought Billy Turner had one of his best games for the Packers at right tackle. And I think, generally speaking, the offensive line held up well. I think they only gave up one sack and I think five pressures or something or something like that. So I have already publicly apologized to Josh Nyman on Twitter. And I will do it here. He played a great football game. And I will second your offensive line thing. Nick Boza, who I thought was going to wreak havoc when Elton Jenkins didn't play, was fine. But no, he had one quarterback hit and four tackles. I honestly expected him to have three or four sacks in this game against Josh Nyman or whoever they put out there at left tackle. Aaron Jones ran for 92 yards. I felt like they ran the ball effectively. I think it goes back to what you said, Peter, maybe it was last week. Run the ball for around four yards of carry. And once you run the ball for around that that amount, they've got to be honest on defense. And I thought the Packers ran it enough to make them play honestly. So my big one is Josh Nyman was great. I thought he was going to get pummeled out there. So shout out to him and all the guys on the offensive line. I thought they played great. Concur with Peter. I, I thought Rogers uh, uh, right out the gates, like some of, some of the throws were just like pure insanity. I mean, just so spot on. And they were in such a good rhythm coming out the gates. Is It was exactly what they needed to do to this team. And they were just like firing on all cylinders. So I was really happy to see that. I thought Rodgers was just making some throws that were just, you call it whatever you want, his age or whatever. He wasn't missing anything in that first half, especially. I mean, he came out just completely on point. My other points were Myers, Runyon, and Newman. And you guys have talked a a lot about Yash. I thought those guys were definitely the first series. I was like, oh God, oh God. And then the second series, I was like, huh? All right. And then they kind of caught the game jitters kind of like wore off a little bit. 
And then they got into a rhythm and they got into a groove and they started to get a little bit fucking nasty. That front line of the 49ers is no fucking joke. And those guys were holding their own. I mean, you're talking Runyon, second year player. I don't know what Newman even is, but uh, he's a rookie. Him and Myers are rookies. Rookies and and Runyon are out there. I really felt like they were on point and in sync as a unit out there. And Turner, I I really believe that he's gone under the radar in this whole season. I know it's a young season. It's only three games in. Turner has been pretty badass out on the right side. So it brings in a question, you know, obviously Bakhtiari is going to be coming back. I don't know what his uh, schedule is. I'm kind of thinking that obviously Newman is going to get replaced. He's going to go back uh, onto the sideline. Myers is going to stay in place, but it brings in a question. Does Runyon take Patrick's job? That was the only thing I was thinking. I was like, damn, I mean, Runyon is playing out of his mind, I think. At least in my opinion, and 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 no dings on on Patrick, but I think there might be a coaching decision that has to happen there between Running and uh, Patrick. I just want to add something to that, and I would never thought that I would say this. The rookie Josh Myers has a higher PFF grade than Corey Lindsley right now. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Amazing. I mean, it's not a spectacular grade. It's not in the nineties. It's not super high, but it's higher than the guy you replaced. And at a fraction of the cost, he's played very well for a rookie. So has Newman, who I thought was going to suck ass. And Runyon played well, too. And I'm with you on the Patrick. Newman's definitely stepped it up. There's no question. Let's get on to the bad and the ugly on offense. Was there any bad ugly for you, Peter? Not really. The only, I guess there's two questions that I have. What happens in the second half that slows the offense down? And I can't quite put my finger on it, but this is a pattern that's occurred quite a lot in the Lafleur era, where they come out sharp, they put points on the board in the first half, and then it seems to ebb away a little in the third quarter. Some of that's obviously what the opposition's doing, any adjustments they're making, or you might not even see the ball for half of the third quarter if the opposition's driving. 49ers did coming out of the gate in the second half but rhetorical question really I don't have the I don't have the answer for it my bigger question is where in the heck is Randall Cobb that's not a rhetorical question is it can I answer that 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 isn't for all the money that they're paying him the eight point whatever that 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 he's on and that's not really the issue but it's an issue you know it's the whole thing about Rogers wanted Cobb back and, and, and all of this where on earth is Cobb I think he can't play that's the answer for me. I think that they got him in a camp and they're like, whoa, this is not the Randall Cobb I thought we were going to get. We knew what he kind of was. We've seen him play the last couple of years and he was fine. I think he's lost too many steps and I don't think that he has a role right now. He's the guy I think you want late in the game, maybe to find a spot third and two and Rogers is running around. I think there's a little bit that chemistry thing there. But I don't think he can get open unless a play is broken. That's my opinion, at least. He had one target, but I don't know how many snaps he played. He didn't have many. That's for sure. Agree with Peter. There's not much to pick apart. And and I will try to answer your rhetorical question. I believe that the second half slowdown, when the Packers seem to get into a corner of any type, it becomes a two-man show. 
it becomes Rogers to Adams, Rogers to Adams, Rogers to Adams. And that is it. Everybody else is just a chess piece. They've been able to get away with that for a long time. They did it last year and it got Rogers an MVP, right? I mean, it's in kind of an unstoppable combination. And they did that again in this game. And you saw a lot of that. And it's like, you've got all these pieces all over the field, but they just, you know, there's this like weird reliance on the two of them to just make it happen. When things get a little bit edgy, that's kind of what they go to. So I don't know if I answered that, but that's what I'll say about that. And then I'm still not sold on on AJ Dillon. I'm just not. I want to root for the guy. You know, we got rid of Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, Jamal Williams, he wasn't going to replace him as a personality on the field. Jamal Williams would come in and like lift up the whole team. He was that energizer buddy. He was the guy like in these long drives, they could pull out Jones and keep the momentum going or late in the game and like all those things. And I just, I know that Dylan isn't him. The expectation is not that he's going to be that kind of guy. I'm just not seeing him elevate how he should like that. That is his role to me. And I'm, I'm not seeing that from him and I'm not seeing anything like where I'm like, Oh wow. You know, like, Oh yeah, that's why they got this guy or whatever. Like, it's just not there for me yet. The other thing is, uh, you know, I already talked about Adams and Rogers with the young offensive line that I saw out there right away. I was like, where the fuck is Mercedes Lewis right now? I mean, if, if he is around as a dinosaur that he is, why isn't he out there? I think he came in. You could check the snaps, but I, I want to say he came in like late in the second quarter. DeGora was out there who looks very undersized just from a visual standpoint. I'm just going to throw it out there. He was out there in front of Lewis. And I'm thinking to myself, why the fuck is DeGora out there who's been hurt over the last year? And you've got this supposedly the best blocking tight end in the NFL who's like, God knows how old. Why isn't he out there? That was really odd to me. And, and, and I just saw Ton get like exploded. I mean, he, he cannot block. Those are the only things I saw as a negative on the offense. I was a little surprised on the Lewis not being out there too. When you have Yash Nyman out there for the first time, left tackle in a regular season game, why don't you have Mercedes Lewis out there to maybe give him a little bit of help? And chip on Boza, whoever or whatever he's, you know, guy he's got on him. I thought that was a little bit surprising too. My thing is kind of the opposite of what you said, Todd. I don't understand why AJ Dillon doesn't get more snaps and more carries. I don't think he's explosive, and that really bothers me. He kind of plods through the hole. I think he's afraid of contact a little bit. I really do. I think Jones is too. Did, did anyone, did the other, uh, either of you see, like, I thought Jones kind of like hesitated on a bunch of them, like he was going to get punched in the mouth and he kind of Kylan backed Hill, off. Kylan Hill doesn't. I'll just say that. Kylan Hill does not. AJ Dillon, you know, last year it was Williams and Jones and Williams would get 10 ish carries. You know, he wouldn't get a yep. lot, but he'd come yep. in in certain situations. I don't feel like they used receiver. Yes, and I don't think they use Dylan in that way. I kind of think, like, why don't you hand him the rock when you're kind of, like, bleeding games out when you're up a score or two? I, I don't know. I think they're using him poorly, and I don't know why they're not using him. Maybe they don't have confidence, like you don't, that he's going to make things happen. But I feel like he makes the pile move forward, especially late in games. 
six rushes for 18 yards. So we'll see what happens there. But that was my only bad was I, I thought the offense was pretty consistent, played pretty well. They didn't have that really long lapse that they used that they had last year. It seemed like they'd go like a quarter and a half without scoring. I felt it was a little less than that. So that's kind of good. But again, I don't think they use AJ Dillon well. Well, what about the play calling when they were uh, about to score a touchdown? They went for it on fourth and they missed it. I felt like that whole play calling series was just off. I, I just don't know what they were trying to do there. There was no mix at all. I mean, they were going all to all to the left side. Everything was like left side, left side. And they just, you know, you can't go all gas, no brakes, and then sometimes think, "Well, we should have went brakes there." Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No, but I mean, you got Jones. I mean, it, like, run the fucking football down there. No, I, I don't I felt- disagree with that. I think that what you said before, it's always Adams, 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 and they yeah. got to be able to go somewhere else once in a while. But I don't have a problem with going for it on fourth down. I oh, feel no, like if they, if they score there, that game is starting to pull. Oh, yeah. You know, it's starting apart. to be out of reach. Oh, yeah. I don't. I didn't like the fourth down throw late. No. Was it fourth down? Well, Rodgers was barking with, at, he was barking at uh, Myers after that play. And yeah, I think Cobb actually interfered with the snap. So it, there was a combination of things that kind of occurred that just threw, threw the entire yeah. timing off. What about the defense? The pass rush was very good at the end of the game. Wasn't consistent throughout. But again, you want to put pressure on the quarterback in big moments. I thought that last drive, they were pushing into the pocket almost on every play. The Packers had, what, 10 quarterback hits in this game? That's exciting to me. And they also, and I get it, you know, no Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon wasn't very good. I don't know if he's just not very good, but the Packers held them to like 60 yards rushing. Their biggest run all day was 16 yards. So I think the defensive line for the first time ever held up pretty well. I would agree with all of that. I thought Preston Smith was quietly very good. He set the edge and was very good against the run. And Devondre Campbell, where has Devondre Campbell been all of our lives? Um, We're only three games in, but goodness me, this guy makes plays. He'll shoot the gap in the running plays. There was two or three times he shot the gap and, you know, made plays like we were seeing the the Bucks linebackers make plays last season. Excellent in coverage, very disciplined, makes the tackle, and plays on special teams and makes tackles on special teams as well. Special teams tackle too. (laughs) Why? So, I don't know. So, you know, through three games, he's probably been the most, certainly the most pleasant surprise, I think, on, on this on this Packers roster. So, a lot of kudos for, for Devondre Campbell. And we saw Tyler Lancaster even step up and make a, and make a pressure and force a sack. Oh, come on. Uh, no, absolutely. But but that was enough. For, that was enough for him because he's gone onto the COVID list today. I I saw it. Well, there you go. So <laughs> irresponsible, fucking dumbass. <laughs> well, we, we don't know. He could be a close. He could have had Jesus a close contact. With we don't. We don't know. We don't know what the deal is there. But um, uh, the other one, Jair Alexander, I thought had a mixed game. The real good. The interception was an exceptional play. When you see the ground that he made up to get that pick, come off his man and get that pick in center field. That was that was an exceptional play. Many of the same points. I'll just talk about um, Preston Smith first. Dale, you brought it up, but like uh, I think it was a few episodes ago where you were like, Preston Smith has a good year, he has a down year, he has a good year, he has a down year, and like this year is like the upswing of it, and, and he's doing it. 
I mean, he, he really is. I mean, he's really having it off to a, a great start. I think Campbell, I thought the first game he was not looking so comfortable, but these last two games, and especially this game against the Niners, I mean, he was all over the place. His length is a problem. I mean, it is a big, big problem because he moves like a guy two or three inches shorter than him. He's got the speed and the athletic ability of somebody shorter than him. So he's a big problem for offenses. So I'm really aligned with you guys on on, on how he's doing. I liked how the D-line performed overall. I, I thought there was a, a ton of just... I don't know if there's been an adjustment or what. I felt overall, every single one of those guys really stepped up and held their lanes and and made tackles and, and stuffed the holes uh, really well. Savage, I think he's gone kind of a little bit under the radar as well. I mean, he he was in on a lot of plays, and he's looking like he's very aggressive in how he's approaching the game this year. I, I really felt like he just has this aggressive nature to him this year and, and his Seems to have his hat in on on the ball all over the place. I can't say enough about Stokes. Like I'm getting a fucking Stokes jersey because I <laughs> I've been one. It, it's kind of like getting rid of like your favorite stuffed animal when you're a kid. Like I can't get rid of my Matthews jersey. Like for some reason, <laughs> right? I like I kind of clutch it at night and I kind of sleep on it and stuff. But I mean, <laughs> but I got man, I gotta I, I gotta get. I have to get a Stokes jersey. This kid is the real fucking deal. Everything turned around. Now, if you if you go back and you look at how you can take the first game and just like throw it out the fucking window, right? Second game, same shit was happening. Jesus. And um, same shit was happening in the very first half. What turned this entire defense around is Stokes being on the field. I really honestly believe that he is that talented. He is that good. He has earned a a starting spot on that roster. He's got to be on this defense starting every single game. Now I don't see him in any other role than starting. He just had an unbelievable game aside from the one. Yes. Did he grab? Okay, fine. But the other one is bullshit. I really felt like he is like the real deal going forward. And Jair's pick. Peter talked about like the the amount of ground that he covered. To me, it's like the decision that he made. He turned and was like, I'm getting that fucking ball. And there was nothing else on his mind other than that. We don't really critique him a lot because there's not much to say. But Dale, you've said a, a million times about what is the next step for him? What is the next level for him? That is it right there. You just saw. Jair Alexander taking the next level in his career on that. That was one of the most amazing interceptions I've seen probably in a long time, a really long time. The amount, just everything about it. He went after that ball nowhere in his area and went after the ball and got it because he wanted it. Smart player, smart play. But you got to be super athletic to do that too. Because if they, you ever seen, have you seen like the route he had to run to get to that football? I know. It's like a 45 yard, like round out route that he had to get. It was, he had to run forever to get to that thing. And he knew, he knew he had to get behind them. He knew he wasn't going to cut it off before the ball got, you know, like in between them, in between the defender and the receiver. He knew, he, he knew that wasn't the approach. He knew he had to go over the top of them to get to that ball. 
those are instincts you can't teach. Totally That's just like on the field football instincts. Uh, so the Packers gave up 28. So there wasn't all great things on defense. I'm sure that Todd's going to have a thing or two to say about Ty Summers. Oh, let's let's oh, just oh. say that. <laughs> I got my quarters <laughs> ready. <laughs> that Sullivan and Summers seemed to struggle a lot, both in the coverages that they were in. It showed up even more in their in their missed tackles for me. And I thought the two of them were didn't have their best games. Let's put let's let's put it like that. Yeah, the Packers gave up 28 points, but I thought generally speaking, other than Sullivan and Summers, I thought that the defense played a played a pretty decent all-round game. And and if it weren't for some of the penalties that got called and those that didn't get called, I don't think they would have given up 28 points. So, I mean, I, I thought, other than those two names that I've mentioned, I thought pretty much Packers were solid all round. I don't know why my negatives are the Packers didn't play a guy right, but my negative on defense is my guy doesn't play enough. I don't understand it. I just don't. Why TJ Slayton doesn't play more baffles me. He had less snaps this week than he did last week. This is a team that's better and stopping the run should have been like job number one. Why isn't he playing more? He had a half a sack and a tackle in like three snaps. He only had like maybe five snaps in this game and I don't get it. And it's not because I didn't think that Lancaster played poorly this game. I don't think Lancaster played poorly. Dean Lowry was sort of invisible. I don't understand why TJ Slayton doesn't play more. I'm waiting for that day to come, and it should have came here against the 49ers. I mean, we talked about this in the preseason a, a bunch when we were going through the rosters and stuff about Barnes and his. I'm never going to call a player out and say uh, and question their their toughness. There's just certain players, like maybe the way that they play the game and the the position that they play in the game puts them at a higher risk of injury level. That might be the case with Barnes. And I, I can't pick apart like what it is exactly that he's doing, but it seems like, because I don't think it's a toughness issue. I really don't. As soon as he got dinged, and I felt like he was off to a mediocre start. As soon as he got dinged and came out of the game, it was very clear how important he is to that defense. Everything changed. Everything changed when Barnes went out. <laughs> of course, you bring in a rotation of Summers. He is fucking lost. He is lost out there. He is terrible. He had an awful, awful fucking game once again. And I mean, Burks is, is, is no upgrade in any of that. And I'm thinking, you know, with McDuffie on the side, I don't even know if he's active or whatever. Maybe it's time to get McDuffie in there on a rotation because these two clearly almost immediately Kyle Shanahan is no idiot, right? He's a brilliant play caller. That's why he's there. And as soon as this happened, it was like they started any NFL coach target summers, target summers, target summers across the middle. He can't cover fucking anybody. I mean, you saw it almost immediately. Like as soon as Barnes went out, I really don't, understand what what they're doing there some of the other things i had was that did you see when um on, on a more positive but maybe more of a funny thing but when adams got hit did you see when the cameras rolled and like he had to go over to the to the protocol tent whose fat ass is coming out of there 
And a kick Lancaster probably, out. Probably with a, a bit of baloney hanging out the side, the corner of his mouth, because he's in there either taking a shit or eating like baloney sandwiches the whole fucking time. Is Tyler fucking Lancaster? It's like they. I mean, there's no way to knock on that fucking door because it's a goddamn tent. So they're like, "Uh, uh, are you done in there?" And here comes fucking Lancaster, and your all pro fucking receiver has a goddamn concussion. We got speared. And he's walking out like a fucking goddamn snowman. I mean, what the fuck? When I saw that, I was like, get that motherfucker out of there. You know, I mean, jeez, he, he was I mean, that was the most epitome epitomized <laughs> out of all the shit I've, I've said about that motherfucker. I mean, that, that just was like everything to me. Here comes Lancaster out of the, the sideline shitter. Because you know that's it, he was either doing one of two things in there. It wasn't because he was fucking gassed. It was because he was either hungry or he was taking a shit. End of story. Fucking Lancaster. Unreal. How, how do you feel about Chandon Sullivan? <sighs> oh, I think I'm not quite as bad. Actually. I might. I, <laughs> I may be going to the emergency room, actually. <laughs> So, I know, I know one thing. For I can't sure. get to him right now. <laughs> one of your kids is no longer going to college <laughs> right. after all the quarters you just. I know. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I am on uh, of at least. Dude, you missed about six of them, I think. All humor aside, did you did you see that? I did. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Is he doing in there? It sounds like you're getting so, so apoplectic. We're going to need to take you to the emergency tent on the oh, sideline. I need a tent. Uh, I need a tent. Uh, I do. I need a. I, I will get a tent to do the podcast. In. Like exactly. I will order the same thing that the NFL has on the sidelines. Like go in. Todd goes into the my tent. tent. My podcast tent. <laughs> With a shitter in there and everything, <laughs> sandwiches, sandwich. everything. <laughs> yeah, but just, I mean, just your luck. You'll be trying to get in there, but Tyler Lancaster's in your tent. He's stuck right, in there. of course, of course, he is. A big, a, a big, get like, the fuck out of there, Tyler! This is my living room. You <laughs> like in the bottom of the toilet bowl, I'll, I'll have a picture of his ass. Oh, oh. where the heck were we? You're uh, done, sir. We're done I? with the bat. Oh, I, I also wanted to comment on the special teams, which continue to fucking suck. Uh, I mean, that that coverage in the first half when the Niners had a huge return. I mean, we were burying them 17-0 going into the half, and you allow that, and then you go into, into the half 17-7, unacceptable, all the way across the board. That was entirely unacceptable. That problem has not been resolved. And going forward, getting deep into the playoffs, possibly the Super Bowl, they got to figure that out. Other than that kick return, huge kudos to, to Mason Crosby as always. Mr. Clutch, I don't know how many, it's like 25 or 26 consecutive field goals now that he's, he's hit. And Bojo, the punter, continues to spear them off right, spear it off left. They go out of bounds so they don't get, so they don't get returned. So... Um, he's somehow or other doing it, doing an excellent job. I'm not quite sure how. 49 at the end of the game, you should be returning that kick. 
Like, I don't know why the, the 49er guy, that ball was only maybe a yard into the end zone. Knowing how bad the Packers special team kick coverage is, he should have been running that joker out of there. So I was super happy when he put his arms out and was like, nope. Like, thank you, you dipshit. Like, you don't know the Packers special teams. It seems to be the coverage. The punt coverage, kick coverage. I mean, those are the blatant worst units on the special teams. Yeah. And, and I don't understand it. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, receiving, the receiving part of it, the return part of it is, is another thing, right? But it's the coverage. I just don't get it. I, I think there's a lot of the same personnel as last year, you know, i.e. Burks, Summers, some of the other problem children. They're all on the special teams. And it's the same shit, like, as it was last year. I don't know. I, I thought that was a huge, huge momentum shift in that game. Is, Absolutely. Is, is allowing that. Was. Because, it, honestly, like, when the Niners came out in the second half, the momentum was still in their favor. Yeah. It still was because of that. It didn't end there. It went into the locker room. It came out of the locker room, and it continued. All because of that shit. Totally and agree. It's, it's an easy. It should be an easy fix. It's fucking special teams coverage. Come on. And if the Packers tackle him at the nineteen or something, they change the way they play call. Right? They're not as aggressive, and they're like they probably kind of go into the half like. Mm. I just want to say I, I totally agree that that was a huge momentum shift. And in, instead of 17-0, it's 17-7. Now they look like they're back in the game. They get the ball back in the second half. You know that's what they're saying in the locker room. We're getting the ball back in the second right. half. We're going to score. It's going to be 17-14. We're back in this game. It changes everything. As far as the special teams go, though, Bajorquez averaged 54.7 yards per punt. Yeah, he is a bomber. And what I like about him is what Peter said, too. He's kicking it at the sideline. So even if it doesn't go out of bounds, there was the one time that guy caught that ball like two yards from the out of bounds line Yeah, that pins him in the corner. It's the exact thing that I think JK Scott was trying to do, except he was telling him exactly where he was going to kick it, which was less effective. Oh God. Yeah. Bohorkas is fucking awesome. Like that is, is crazy. Is. 54 yeah. yards a kick, almost 55 yards a kick. That's man. You can't ask for any more than that. Yeah, Mason Crosby is Mason Crosby. This is the opportunity I take every year where I say I thought he should have been cut like eight years ago when he had that really bad season, and I was wrong. If there was any game, let's put it this way. This was a momentum shifter, like an early season momentum shifter. It got off to a bad start. The Saints game is, you just don't even like put that on the register of like what the fuck happened. It's almost as if that didn't happen. You got a break. You got Detroit. And now you come out to the West Coast and you know you need this game. You know it. I mean, this is going to be kind of like the the early season make or break kind of moment to have like an asset like Mason Crosby come on the field and, and is like, I got it and drills it. What an insane asset that is to have. So next week, the Packers play Pittsburgh, the one and two Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know what the Steelers are. I know it's early. Really difficult to tell. Any thoughts offensively, a key on offense for the Packers against the Steelers? I would like to see the, the Packers come out sharp like they did this week and for, for Rodgers to be throwing that three-step drop ball out of there kind of thing. And I think that's the, that's the key for me. I mean, I'd like to get the running game going more effectively than it has been, but it's been good enough. It's been effective enough. 
getting about 100 yards a game. So I think so I think on offense, I think the key for me is that I think if if Rodgers plays as effectively as he did this past weekend, i.e. getting the ball out of there quickly, then I think that, that will be enough for the Packers to win this game. Yeah, I just don't know what the, the Steelers are. So I think balance is the key. Being able to run and pass. T.J. Watt. You know, on the other side of the ball can wreak havoc on a on an offense. So making him sure. play the run and not just be able to pin his ears back, I think, is a key. There isn't much. I I just think that they need to be balanced. Offensively, I want to see from the Packers is utilization of the personnel that we have. I think we have to start to distribute the ball throughout the offense into our players' hands, not just Rogers Adams, Rogers Adams. It's not sustainable. It's almost like they get into a hard situation and that's all they go back to. And defenses, opponents are going to start honing in on that. If we can make things kind of difficult and disrupt things, they're just going to go to Adams, Rogers, or, you know, vice versa, Rogers, Adams, because that's their go-to. I want to see like more distribution throughout the receiving core. There's a ton of weapons out there. Get Tunyon going, get Cobb going. I would love to see Rodgers out there, Amari Rodgers. I would love to see Kylan Hill in the mix. I want to see a more diverse attack from the offense and, and start utilizing some of the weapons that they've got out there. When the Steelers drafted Najee Harris, I thought, wow, that's a Steelers guy. Like this, he is going to be great, but he has not flashed much greatness so far. I assume that's an offensive line issue and they're struggling in their offensive line because. Roethlisberger is also struggling and I hate to be too confident, but I think on defense, I think you got to stop Roethlisberger. Usually I want to say stop the run, but I think in this game, it's going to stop Roethlisberger from getting hot. And once you hit him a couple of times, I think he starts to feel that old age. Peter. Yeah, I would agree with that. Totally. The Steelers can't run the ball on anybody. I think the offensive line, the Steelers is struggling because not only are they not opening up lanes for the running game. They're giving up bunches of sacks as well. I think Roethlisberger will put up a number of yards when you look at their receiving core, and I know that that's been been banged up. Juju's been injured. He should be back this week. You've got Chase Claypool. I think Deontay Johnson, the other wide receiver, has been hurt as well, but I think he'll be back this week. So it's been a banged-up receiver core. But when you've got guys like Claypool and Juju, assuming he plays, they're going to put up a number of yards in the passing game. And they've consistently done that throughout Roethlisberger's career. Whatever ups and downs the team's had, they've always consistently put up a number of passing yards. So I, th- I think they'll do that. But I don't think they'll run on the Packers. And I don't think whatever they put up will be enough. The only thing I have is the biggest thing is the pressure of uh, Roethlisberger. I, I, obviously, he can't, you know, he's a pocket quarterback. He's going to sit in there as long as he possibly can and, and take shots. He's not going to run, roll out, or, or do anything dynamic. So, I mean, they're kind of one-dimensional in the passing game. So if there's any indication of, like, what happened last week with – I really felt the defensive line, like, kind of came through. And maybe we, we see some corner blitz stuff from Jared Alexander or, some, or somebody, right? Something new. The most you can disrupt Roethlisberger – the more success you're going to have at winning this game. And I don't think that's going to be a huge task. Like Peter said, the running game isn't there. They don't have that many deep threat receivers. I I think that our corners match up very well. Defensively, I I I think when you have Aaron Rodgers at the helm, there's not much to 
worry about. You know, in the past, Roethlisberger would be like drawing stuff in the dirt. Like, I'm going to run around all over the place. Guys are just going to run around, get open. Now that Roethlisberger's, you know, pushing 40, but 37, 38 years old, he can't do the things he used to do. And now that part of their offense is not the same. I wonder if he is able to get outside the pocket. Like, what is he going to do with it? I hate to say I'm not worried. Because that's how I felt in the first week. So we finish off our podcast every time with a score prediction. Anybody want to go first? I will. I think we're going to drop at least between 35 to 40 points on the Steelers. And I don't think that they're going to reach 20. I think we win this game by 20. After last week when I predicted the 49ers would win 28-27. And that's how it looked for 59 minutes and 57 seconds. And that, you nailed and that, it. And that I, I'm, I was glad to be wrong. Let's put it like that. So, so this week, I'm, I'm going to be glad to be right. And the Packers will win this game 34-17. It's very close to what I was going to say. I think it's going to be 31-17, Packers. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 56, the Nick Barnett version of The Average Cheese. Go, Pack, go. Go back, go. go.